What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Comics Collective. Yep, that's right. If you're here for DTR Comics, well, just like the comic books we love, we have gone through a reboot, baby. Relaunch, all new, all different, new 52, whatever comic book reboot you have the fondest feelings for, that's what we're doing right now, okay? So, we realized the name DTR Comics wasn't very snappy, and... Also, T and R aren't here anymore, so it felt a little disingenuous to be DTR Comics when I'm just the D of the Comics Collection. All right, and that joke's gonna stick around. I'm gonna make that every time. Is that I am the D of the Comics Collection. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you might be able to hear giggling there in the background. My new co-host, um, my sister, my excellent peer, Alexis Taylor. Alexis, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, like he said, I'm his younger sister. I'm 20. I'm three, four years younger than he is. Um, and I, I'm really excited to do this. I kind of have gotten into the comics and MCU universe and DC universe with Dallas kind of from a young age while he was going through high school. And I was able to see um, just all the different things that he would bring home and I we'd look through comic books together and it's always been like a fun interest for me to share with him so I'm excited to finally do a podcast with him oh my goodness yeah, the only person I know that likes podcasts as much as I do is Alexis I love podcasts. so podcasts rule I don't and even listen to music anymore I don't either I'm such an old man like I know I honestly look forward to my commute I have to commute like an hour <laughs> and I'm like oh boy I get to listen to a podcast I've been listening quick shout out I've been listening to the Cerebro cast a bunch it's an excellent excellent x-men podcast from an lgbtq lens so if you like what we talk about here and you're more left-leaning or you're more open to other like ideas I would highly recommend their X-Men podcast, Cerebrocast. I awesome. find it fascinating and really, really, really interesting. So there's a quick little plug before we even plug ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but, true. Um, if you're interested in following along with us on social media with this rebrand, we are now at CMX Collective. We have a fancy new logo that you'll see from listening to this episode. And we're going to try as hard as we can to get back to the weekly format we definitely fell off there for a little while but this is something we really love to do and it seems like there is a good chunk of you that likes to listen to whatever garbage we have to say yeah true so poor people <laughs> moving forward we're in the past we've been a little bit of like a graphic novel of the week podcast but moving forward we're going to be a little bit more like character show or just theme based so this week, for as you can see in the title card there, we are talking all about WandaVision, the Disney Plus TV show coming from Marvel, and the comics that inspired and influenced it. And then next week, we're talking all about the entire Jeff Johns Aquaman run with Ann Talks Comics, the comics Twitter account. That's, that's a great show. We recorded it right before this. So time travel, you're going to hear this first. <laughs> we did that first. 
So that's just kind of a heads up. We're going to try and let you know before shows come out what we're talking about next time so that you can read and you can be a part of the conversation. Because like I said, we're going to be doing a little bit more of a themed read. Sweet. So that that little pause was for effect, you know, so you guys <laughs> could be like, oh, man, what's coming next? He just next? stared at me through the sky. So I was like, oh, <laughs> it's supposed to talk now? <laughs> okay. Uh, this, whole, this whole podcast is about me monologuing and then putting you on the spot. I, just, I really feel like that's, that's going to happen a lot, and I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alexis actually is super, super fun to talk with about this kind of stuff. She, like she said, we've been watching all the MCU stuff together since Iron Man 1 in 2008. 10. Yeah. And so we, we have like a lot of passion for superheroes and nerd culture. Our family likes all that stuff a lot. And I decided to drag her along with me into the comic book world. But like like I said, (laughs) this week we're talking all about WandaVision. So spoilers up to current with WandaVision, up through episode yeah, don't eight. Come for us. This episode is coming out right before episode nine. So if you have not watched and want to avoid spoilers for WandaVision episodes one through eight, you're not going to hurt our feelings. If you pause our episode right now and you come back to it after you've watched it, but we're letting you know right now there will be spoiler talk. We're going to talk about specific things from the show. And then we're going to dive into a lot of the comic series that inspired the show. So, spoilers starting in three, two, one. This show is so fun. It is so good. (laughs) I literally just ugly cried for like the past three days for the last episode. So, we're going to get there when we get there. But (laughs) Okay. Um, Do you want to give like a quick plot synopsis of what we've seen so far? Yeah, so basically what we have seen from the show already, what we've been able to pick up, and I'm going to kind of also include more of a baseline knowledge of what people who don't have the comic book background would pick up on, you know. Um, So we start out fresh right in the first episode. It's got a 1950s, like, I love Lucy vibe. I feel like everybody kind of picked up on the similarities between that classic 50s show with what WandaVision's first episode was. It was black and white, and it just was basically kind of introduced our characters of Wanda in the role of a 1950s housewife with her husband, Vision. And it was interesting to see, there were a few things that we all picked up on that um, it seemed that they both kind of had no idea where they had started, why they were there. Um, There was a few memory holes that we could catch on to as well. Um, But yeah, I feel like the first episode was really just a fun introductory to what we were going to see. And there wasn't, to my knowledge, I felt like it was kind of an episode that didn't really have a ton right off the the gate so that it would um, want to bring more people back to see what was going to come from it. Yeah, um, it definitely started as like a slow burn, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took a while for the show to get going. But I mean, that first week, as you all know, they released both episodes one and two, both the black and white episodes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people were a little bit turned off by like how not MCU it felt. 
Yeah, at exactly. At least from like the discourse I, that I saw. Yeah, me. So I have a boyfriend. His name's Carson, for those of you who don't know. And we wanted to watch it together. And I told him, I was like, hey, there's this new show that came out. I don't know if like you've seen it on your end of social media, but it's called WandaVision. And it's all about Wanda Maximoff and Vision from the Avengers. Like, would you want to watch it with me? And he's like, yeah, sure. I love I love those Marvel movies. And then like 15 seconds into the first episode, he goes, why is it in black and white? Do, do we have to watch this? And I was like, yes, be quiet. We're watching this right now. <laughs> I said, buckle up. <laughs> I almost like, I felt like predisposed to watch it. Because a lot of people were like, oh, well, I haven't seen these shows. Right. Mm-hmm. But like. Our dad is a purveyor of all old television. All of our references are old as shit. Like, we don't watch (laughs) contemporary cool things. We've got straight up some, like, Amish people references. Or, like, that weird conservative Christian family, you know, that only watches weird shit. But the funny thing is, like, they're not, like, they're not, like, these clean movies, you know? Like, we watch movies that people are like, you watched that as a kid? It's just, they have to be old. Mm -hmm. Like, there is a cutoff. Where the 1990s started, and there's just a 30-year gap till 2010. It just the world skipped from 1989 <laughs> to like 2008, and we don't know anything in between. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but it's like we've seen the Dick Van Dyke Show, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Tiffany and, and so Dad it was. It, still. it was fun to see Wandavision homage so clearly the Dick Van Dyke Show for the first episode. It might not be people's favorite episode, but I think episode one was very clear, like, the best done, we're making a this decade episode of a sitcom. Oh, absolutely. Like, you knew that that was a 1950s sitcom. Like, there was no questions about it. As soon as it turned on, I was like, yep, this is I Love Lucy. Like, I totally know that this is what they're doing. Like, I got that point immediately while watching that, which I liked a lot. Like, in in addition to just doing a fun, goofy episode of one of those sitcoms, they also introduced, like, the creeping horror of the show. Mm-hmm. Up at. Like the MCU is definitely hesitant to do like a strict horror show, mm-hmm. but like with the choking scene, with some of the camera choices, like you begin yeah. to feel like something isn't right here. And it's not really like the Truman show where you're like, oh, I'm, oh, oh, I'm goodness. Everybody's watching. It's so silly and fun. You're just like, something's weird. Yeah. And Wanda seems to know why it's weird. Yeah, and one thing that I found really interesting as well, which um, happened during the dinner scene with Vision's boss and the boss's wife, was when the boss was choking, his wife was directly looking at Wanda and asking Wanda to do something. And that was a little eerie to everyone, I feel like, because it kind of seemed like Wanda was the only one that was allowed to change anything. And I feel like that was caught on a little bit quicker than some other things um that wanda was overall the one in charge of what was going on definitely um and so yeah like i said there's the first week was like sort of the black and white period right where we didn't have a lot of information about what was going on outside of the world of wandavision um we met the character agnes who we now all know as agatha harkness the Oof. internet kind of figured that out early, but... I mean, her name was um, Agnes. I mean, it's pretty close. Everybody is like, come on, try yeah. a little harder. That's actually one thing I want to say about WandaVision, as I feel like they finally, they've really figured out how to commodify everybody's desire to feel like the smartest person watching a Marvel show. Yeah, like, it's so true. Oh, my. 
like with Iron Man one, I felt like the Easter eggs were real like deep cuts. You know, it was like in the background on a computer screen, there's a reference to Wakanda and like that might never come up, but like that's there for the nerds, you know? Like Yeah, that, all of this stuff that has was been a happening real for years. Easter egg. But it was like that's like a real Easter egg because they, they weren't building a cinematic universe at the beginning, right? But then as Marvel became famous for their end credit scenes, as Marvel got like sneakier and sneaker, sneakier and sneakier, where it was becoming like more and more overt that like we should be paying attention to the background. They trained us through Endgame to feel so smart for figuring out what shows are coming next to the point where like Marvel movies... Us. Yeah, like Marvel movies and WandaVision now are straight up just commercials for the next show. Like, you might not see a commercial in that movie, but you're watching it and you see at the end of Infinity War, Captain Marvel symbol on a pager, and you're like, oh my gosh, we're getting a 1990s Captain Marvel movie. It's just a commercial for the next movie to get you excited about. I feel like WandaVision has really figured out that we all love to think we're super smart for picking up on what they're spoon feed and just commodified that for two months. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. And now I feel a little insecure about thinking that I was smart. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Are you there? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Alice monologued so long that Alexis froze on the other side of the screen. Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, there you are. I was just making a joke about how I monologued so long that you, you just AFK. Oh, oh, I could hear you the whole time. Oh, excellent. <laughs> excellent. But yeah, you, so you're you, the one that you froze. It was your fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, can't possibly I may or I may like not that. edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> I hope you're frozen. I'll dog that one, you know, and be like, this is pod. Oh, I'm in and out. <laughs> so fun fact, I live in a little apartment above a garage and my Wi-Fi is ran by my cat on a hamster wheel. So <laughs> well, you guys are not going to just kind of got to do this luscious, beautiful content doesn't come to you problem free if you want like a tightly edited podcast go somewhere else this is all about long awkward pauses a lot of freezing cutting in and out and honestly garbled audio like you you won't be able to understand us but it's beautiful and two um, very aggressive speakers speaking over top of each other perfect <laughs> so Alexis, so after the black and white period, do you want to give like five minute synopsis up to where we are now with the rest yeah. of the show? And you can go back into details. Yeah, sure. So basically, episode three is our first colored episode. It's where she kind of yeah, puts color back into the world and we kind of jump into a 1960s, 70s vibe where she's got the long flowing hair she's got the bell bottoms like she's living her whole 1970s world like she's fully immersed in it and we also start to see the start of her pregnancy which I feel like is super big and important and a lot of people will have questions on so 
Moving on with that, we see her go through full term with her pregnancy very quickly and a little unexplained as well. And we jump right into her and Vision having their twin boys. And we see how they're brought into the world and how now thinking back on how closely involved um, Agnes was in that as well. We see her very involved in um, the boys' early life as well as their childhood. And we also see that the boys age extremely quickly and kind of at their own pace, which was another thing that I found very interesting because there is a scene where um, Wanda basically tells them like, oh, you can do that when you're older. You can do that when you're, say, 10. Well, it was the dog scene. Like, oh, you can have a dog when you're 10. And then in real time, we see them age to being 10 and being older we see it through Wanda's eyes of like oh my gosh these kids are now older like they've done that by themselves and we get the scene of them with their new dog and how quickly that happy little reality ends and their dog passes and we have a cat uh cat butt in the screen yeah, and the, the cat only fans going on on the screen Go back to the <laughs> hamster wheel i need wi-fi back need to the hamster wi-fi. wheel um and also we see this very interesting conversation with wanda and her children after their poor little dog gets in agnes's flower bushes and passes away and the boys basically ask wanda to bring back their dog from the dead and we kind of see her have a moment where she pauses and has to really think about what she's going to tell them because what we as an audience kind of are thinking and wondering is she's brought vision back from the dead. Like, how is she doing this? We all know that. And I don't think that she wants to address that in her own mind. And so she tells the boys like, Oh, that's, that's not how that works. We can't do that, honey. We like, he's gone. I'm so sorry. And explains to them that they're, pet has died and um it kind of is an interesting way that she tells them though because of course we all know vision has been previously deceased to this show and we follow that um through on vision's end vision has started to become more aware of what's happening he's kind of picking up on a little bit more in these later episodes to the point where while he's at work one day, he, quote unquote, awakens one of his co-workers. And this co-worker tells him, like, oh, my gosh, Wanda's in my head. I don't know what's going on. Like, this is terrible. Are you muted? Yeah, so there's another technical difficulty. It's beautiful. Um, so he said she. He didn't say Wanda, which was super interesting. Yes. Which was, like, the first reference to, like, oh, there might be another, like, spooky female entity here. Sorry to interrupt, but back to No, you're good. Honestly, I'm going to be completely honest, and I didn't catch on to that, so. (laughs) But, um, so, yeah, he has this very critical conversation with his coworker about how he is completely imprisoned in his own mind, and he is not in charge of doing anything that he has at the moment. And so this really alarms 
Vision. And I feel like Vision kind of has his own awakening inside of Westview where he's like, this is not real. This is something is very seriously wrong here. And we see that because he goes home and him and Wanda kind of get in this very heated argument about it. And um, we see that he is like, what he's asking her genuinely, what's going on? What are you doing? And she's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's kind of in that denial stage as well. And while they're in the middle of this conversation, we, we hear the doorbell ring and Wanda I find something I found very interesting is that she looked at vision. She goes, I didn't do that. And he didn't believe her. He thought that this was a way of her getting out of the conversation because in his mind, she's controlling everything. And so Wanda gets up, goes to the door and we are able to see someone who we obviously associate with Quicksilver, but he himself has never been seen in the MCU before that we know because he is not the same Quicksilver that we've known and loved from Wanda's point of view. He's a very, he's a different actor. Which well, is I mean, he is definitely the Quicksilver I love from the X-Men He is the movies. X-Men Quicksilver. He, that, I feel like Evan Peters' Quicksilver was so much more compelling than the MCU Quicksilver. That might be an unpopular opinion. But oh, I like, like, him. like those slow motion running scenes from the X Men yeah. movies. I like when he saves everything. everybody from the school, mm-hmm. and he's just like, he's was he holding a Twinkie? He was like eating a Twinkie, and he was like, oh, that building's gonna blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just like leaves it floating in the air. It's it's marvelous. So that was a fun cameo for for us as the viewer, and like a confusing moment for Wanda and Vision. Yeah, you could tell Wanda knew something was a little different. Mm-hmm. She knew something was wrong, but she chose to kind of ignore it which I feel like is a common theme that's really going on with the show it's like Wanda's as also as the show's progressing Wanda's becoming more aware as well and she's really choosing to just kind of ignore everything and pretend that everything's fine mm-hmm. um and then we jump right into the Halloween episode which personally I love because we kind of got like the cheap um box Halloween version of like all of their original costumes, which I thought was super cute and super funny. Um, and honestly, daddy likey Wanda <laughs> in her Wanda Maximoff outfit. I can't lie. Yeah. I'm there was a part that. of me that was like, now this, this is a show. It was the pink tights that did it for me. Love yeah, the pink tights. The pink tights for me. Uh, it was actually little baby Wiccan's Wiccan outfit. Oh, mm-hmm. He was cute. We'll get to the kids though. Yes. We'll get there when we get there. Hold your horses. Um, And we also see that Wanda has planned this whole family outing for for Halloween. She's ready. She's got all this planned. And then Vision presents her with the, oh, I have to do Neighborhood Watch. Like, I have to do this. And she was unaware of that. She, in her mind, was like, oh, I never decided that. Like, I didn't do that. But he told her like yeah I've got to go I've got to go do neighborhood watch and he disappears and we kind of follow him throughout the episode where he goes to the outskirts of town and realizes that everyone out there the farther you go away from Wanda's epicenter everyone's kind of stuck in a loop they aren't fully functioning they are all kind of frozen in doing the same task over and over again we have a very telling scene 
of a woman who's hanging up a Halloween decoration. And she is over and over again doing the same motion without ever completing the task. And there is a singular tear coming out of her eye. And Vision, I feel like, is very disturbed by that. Well, and yeah, like you as a viewer, you as a viewer yeah. as well, are like chilled yeah. by yeah, this. And you're like, very eerie. This, this spooky. Yeah, like, oh, this woman has no idea what's going on with her body, but we can kind of see that maybe her mind is still there on the inside trying to get out, which is very interesting. And um, I think it's very, this is a now. Well, it's just very... also like just a little bit so... of horror as well. Make me so excited for Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange 2. Mm-hmm. That's a direct sequel to this. Cause like most everybody knows Sam Raimi as the Spider-Man director, right? For the original cheesy Spider-Man. But before that, like he's a horror director. <laughs> he makes horror movies. Oh. And so like okay. them letting him have like little bits of scary in WandaVision makes me so excited for what they're going to let Sam Raimi do in that Doctor Strange movie. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm moving out because mom doesn't want let us watch horror movies. So <laughs> we're not going to be able I mean, to it's watch an MC, that. It's an MCU horror movie. Don't tell her. So, like, Don't tell her. It's going to be, ba- be baby's first horror movie. <laughs> Tiffy's first horror movie. Um, oh my gosh nothing will ever reach the horror (laughs) peaks that monster house reached i watched it again as an adult and i was like man i was a little yuppie yeah did you know tiffy made me and carson watch it with her and she like super was basically in carson's armpit the whole time (laughs) just not into it she's like 12 (laughs) yeah a child I'm sorry, I interrupted you, though, in your synopsis. Oh, no, you're okay. Um, I was going to say, I feel like now I'm going to introduce, I kind of forgot, if I'm going to be completely honest, to introduce what's going on outside of Westview. I don't think it's a coincidence that you forgot, because, like, to me, that's the most, like, bland, this is what's coming next, MCU part of it all. Yeah. Like, I really like the sitcom pastiche and, like, Wanda Vision story. Yeah, and every time it switches to outside of the hex, which was a yeah. funny callback to her what her magic's called her in the hex comics. Magic. <laughs> but every time it switches to that, I'm like, ah, back oh, to yeah. military-infused blue thriller. Perfect. True. Um, but really, this is where, in reality, they mesh because we see Vision come to the edge of. Wanda's hex of the edge of Wanda's bubble and he is fully aware that there's a force field there and he is very curious of what's going on and so he tries to leave and since the sword has set up a base outside of the hex they get an alert that somebody's trying to come through they can see um where there's been a breach and so of course they all rush down they go see and they set up all their big trucks they've got their guns out and we see that they um, are fully watching Vision try to come out of the hex, and it is physically pulling him apart. He is... The cat just dookied behind me. And I, was <laughs> so I made a face on screen. I made Alexis falter. Ooh, yeah, yeah so this she's, is a really dramatic she's giving scene. This, yeah, she's giving this great dramatic scene, and the cat's just, like, rustling around. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> And now my house, my shoebox house, run off of a hamster wheel, is just full of cat dookie smell. I'm oh. sorry. Back to you. Well, Back to your regular scheduled programming. 
back to Vision being ripped limb by limb by this hex magic. Don't mind me. I feel like I'm being ripped limb by limb by this cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Suze. But, yeah, so we really see this super dramatic scene where they are all watching him be torn apart, and they don't try and do anything. And we see um, a very familiar character, who I haven't mentioned before, Darcy, our favorite little um, intern from Thor, the funny brunette that, honestly, I feel like a lot of people forgot about. They kind of forgot where she was and didn't put much thought into her. But we see her come back, and she really is S.W.O.R.D.'s secret weapon to figuring out what's going on. She is the first person that catches on to the fact that basically the hex is being broadcast like a sitcom, and she watches it on her little... 50s tv every day she's like she's watching and following wanda's story and when vision is being torn apart and trying to get out of the hex they lock eyes together and it's another sad thing that kind of happens after as vision is like we locked eyes we had an understanding um but while this is happening wanda is with her children they're all in the town square together and her little son, who we know is Wiccan, um, and later, he runs up to her and he is very distraught. And we had also been following the twins with this episode, seeing the development of their powers. And this Wicked, he has developed powers very similar to Wanda's. And he comes up to her very distraught and he says, Mom, Dad. Dad is in danger. Something is happening to dad. He's in pain. And instantly we see a snide comment from our unfamiliar Quicksilver where he says loud and proud, oh, your dead husband can't die again. And we see that this causes a snap of reality in Wanda and she overall just releases another wave of power and she freezes everyone around her throws that quicksilver off to the side freezes everyone and goes to the aid of vision she she fully shoots out more power from within herself and i would say probably triples the size of the hex she envelops everybody on the outside of it for those who were unable to get away And we see that they are all added into the hex themselves. And with this, we, um, she overall saves Vision's life. Vision is put back together and he is rendered unconscious out in the outskirts of the town in the field. And it kind of ends with, um, Vision coming to and he comes across Darcy in Darcy's new hex form where she is a, it's kind of fun. I thought this was super funny, but when swords base was brought into the hex, she made them into carnies because she thought they were all clowns. I thought that was hilarious. It was kind of a snide, like, I hate you all. You get to be clowns now. And he goes and he awakens Darcy. He brings back Darcy's full, memory and he lets her stay that way and so they kind of become a team 
in a way, and they're rushing back to Wanda. But there are pop-ups of things that stop them in their journey. And I find that very telling because why would Wanda, after a traumatic event, why would Wanda stop her husband, Vision, from coming back to town where she can make sure that he's safe? So that's one thing that kind of started to make me question of what's going on. And um, there's another very telling scene while Vision is out on the outskirts. He comes across um, Agnes in her car just sitting at the edge of town. And this is this is before um, he had tried to leave, but she was just sitting, staring off into the dark, the darkness just by herself. And he comes up to her and he asks if she's okay. And she just looks at him and she... He's like, oh, I must have, I must have gotten lost. And he goes, gotten lost in the town you've lived in your whole life. And she kind of realizes, like, oh yes, um, yeah, just simple wrong turn. And Vision at this time takes the opportunity to awaken Agnes as well. And it was very interesting because the way that she responded to being quote unquote awakened by Vision's mind, is she didn't necessarily freak out like everybody else did she had a very easy transition where she was like oh you're the vision you're the vision I recognize you and we had a very interesting um experience with her she her being awake was much more eerie than everyone else Mm -hmm. and um I feel like her experience left the audience a lot more ruffled than anybody else because she kind of seemed a little crazy in the way that she was speaking to the vision. And that's where I feel like everybody also started to catch on very fully that Agnes was not who we thought she was. And also the Mm -hmm. fact that she was in a witch's costume. That was really entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, But we see... In our final episode that we just that was just released in episode eight, we kind of see it pay um, seven. So seven and eight, we see that Wanda has officially kind of fallen into a depression where she realizes like she is causing a lot of hurt and a lot of pain for a lot of people, and we kind of see her be depressed and she's walking around. She's very frumpy she's in sweatpants and everything she's just very different appearance than what she has been before and we um get a scene where agnes comes to check on wanda and she offers to take the boys and wanda jumps on the occasion she's like yes please take them like this is great thank you so much you're a lifesaver and agnes takes the boys with her to her home And we also, in this episode, see that there are a lot of things that are starting to glitch out in Wanda's reality. We see that she is, that specific items are jumping between the different sitcoms. So like her TV, for example, changes from a 1950s TV to a 1970s TV to the modern day TV that she was watching her show on. And it was just very interesting to kind of see like her magic is starting to glitch it's starting to have its problems like she has maybe overexerting herself she's making herself too she's having too much and um that was very interesting to see that the her reality was kind of starting to crumble a little bit mm-hmm. um 
And then we have a very crucial scene where we officially meet another character who I feel like will be very prominent in the MCU. And um, we, throughout the show, we had been following another character named Monica. And she, in the beginning, was sucked into the hex and kind of played a part for a little while of a woman named Geraldine. And then she actually became aware of what was going on as she said a few things that alarmed Wanda. And Wanda overall shot her right out of the hex. She kicked her out and she went flying through the force field and went back to sword that was sitting on the other side. And throughout the show, we saw that Monica had been overall kind of trying to protect Wanda. She had believed that Wanda wasn't a villain. She, she really was trying to play like the, we, we should also be thinking about Wanda. Sword was very eager to, point the finger of like, oh, Wanda is putting all these people in danger. She's evil. She's doing this. She's doing that. But Monica was really trying to help them see that, no, maybe if Wanda's the reason, Wanda's the answer. That was one thing that was really interesting to me. She's like, if Wanda's the one that did this, Wanda's the one that's going to have to fix it. And so she was like, we should not harm Wanda. But the, the director of S.W.O.R.D. was not he did not want to hear that. And so he basically kicked Monica and a few of her friends, including Darcy, out and they left. And they called in their own reinforcements and decided that in order to help solve this problem, that one of them had to go back into the hex and try to communicate with Wanda. Um, but after Monica had been shot back out of the force field of the hex, they had done blood tests on her and seen that the hex itself had changed her DNA, the way that her body was working. And they noticed that she, they, they wouldn't know what would happen to her if she was to be able, she was going to be back in contact with the hex. And so they advised her like, we, there's no way that we're sending you back in there by yourself. You have to go in with protection. And so they called in, their friends they had a whole bunch of like heavy duty equipment that they were going to send her back in with and the hex wasn't having it it was like nope I'm not nope you're not getting in with that and so it basically chewed up and spit out their big equipment and she was able to escape that but she made a split second decision where she decided to just go in she just went right in through the hex and we were able to see this very interesting scene where it had flashbacks from her childhood she heard multiple voices we were able to hear carol danvers voice which we know is captain marvel and for those of you who don't know monica's mother was very very close with um carol and we see her in the original captain marvel movies working together we see Monica too. She was yeah, Monica's little Lieutenant little Danger. Kid. Yeah, yeah, and Lieutenant so Trouble. We, yeah, yeah. So we know that Monica has a very close tie, very close tie to Captain Marvel, and so we hear her voice, we hear her mother's voice, we hear voices all around her, and she is seeing all sorts of different things, and we're able to see that she is going through some sort of change within her body as well. 
And when she emerges on the other side into, um, into Westview, she has been fully altered in her, the way that she's functioning. And she sees in like UV rays, she's like seeing energy and different colors and heat. And she becomes photon baby. Yeah, she is the official first look at the character Photon, who Dallas knows all about. But nobody else knows who that is if you wouldn't have known to look for her, you know. We had no idea who she was when we very first watched it. And we see her try to go and communicate with Wanda. And Wanda instantly knows who she is and is instantly she instantly feels in danger. And they get into a very large argument they're yelling they're wanda's kicking her out of the house using her magic and um we see this very powerful scene where wanda has her lifted up into the air and more or less drops her but when monica hits the ground we see power waves come out from underneath like her arms and her legs and it kind of takes wanda a little bit off guard like she wasn't anticipating someone else to have the power like a, a some sort of power like she does and we quickly see that this quarrel this fight is broken up by um by agnes or agatha that we are soon to find out and she takes she takes um wanda with her into her home and while wanda's sitting there she realizes where are my boys where are my children and um, she and Agnes tells her, oh, they're, they're just in the basement. It's no big deal. They're in the basement. And so Wanda, feeling very eerie, goes into the basement and stumbles across Agatha's witch den, basically. She finds where Agatha is centering her power and... Agatha lures her into a room where Wanda can no longer use her magic or her powers. And we fully discover that it was Agatha all along that was behind everything. Bow, 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 <laughs> bow, 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 <laughs> Loved that. Loved that scene. <laughs> Honestly, and... Agatha should have said the boys were in the closet and not in the basement. Because both them little boys are gay in the comics. <laughs> uh, that would have been better. Would have been better. I would have liked that. it more. That would have been funny. But yeah, and we see Agatha in prison, Wanda, and tell her Agatha overall wants to know how she did it. She wants to know what magic she's using, but Wanda has no idea what she's talking about. She doesn't understand that her powers are magic. And we see in our final episode that just came out on Friday, we see Agatha take Wanda through Wanda's, I guess you could say, origin story of why Wanda is the way that she is. And we are able to see for the first time um, Wanda as a child with her parents and with young Pietro and see, my favorite part was to see that the sitcoms that she had been reliving were the ones that she would watch with her parents when she was young. In their Learn English. Yeah, to learn English. Isn't that so cute? It was. This really whole sweet, episode like, makes me want to cry. There was like there were a lot of times I was like, okay, I love the sitcom pastiche, but like, are they just for me? Like, I have never been told that Wanda gives a crap about American TV. 
Yeah, exactly. So, like, it was, this episode was fun to see, like, oh, okay. It explained a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah, it definitely brought a lot of things full circle. And I thought it was a really, really fun, like, better build-up Wanda's mental state than the comics have given her, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. With House of M that we read, and we'll get more into this in a second, but, like, that was Wanda's deteriorating mental state really was, like, Wanda's so powerful, she's going crazy. You know, that wonderful thing that male writers love to do with powerful women. Oh, she's And, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, feeling depressed. There's nothing wrong with, like, being in a bad mental state. But, like, it needs to be portrayed well. And I honestly feel like episode eight of WandaVision did a good job of showing us the path to where Wanda ended up to create the hex and create this whole fantasy for herself. Exactly. And something amazing um, that was said, and I'm going to... Yeah, so we were able to see basically what happened to Wanda throughout her whole life as to why she is the way that she is. And we were able to see the scene that she and Pietro described of them being trapped for two days and having to look at the Stark missile that was in front of them that had destroyed their home and the second one that was a dud. And we um, were able to also see then follow-up of them being subjected to the tests with the Mind Stone. We were also able to see kind of why um, she had become what she had become because one thing that we learned from that scene with the Mind Stone while she was being tested on is that she had before, before her every single person that had either touched the Mind Stone in those tests had died. Every single person in those tests had died. And while the doctors are watching her, we get to see the other end of basically the Mind Stone coming to her and awakening what was inside of her. And we get this amazing vision of her seeing the Scarlet Witch, which I thought was so cool. We get to see like the crown and it's like the silhouette in the mind stone of basically the Scarlet Witch coming down to her. And from that moment, we see that they had awakened the powers that we soon find out were already inside of her. And that's what Agatha is trying to get at. Agatha wants her to see that she already had those powers. It wasn't those tests that gave it to her. And Agatha is trying to prove in her mind. She wants Wanda to see like, oh, the reason that bomb didn't go off when you were little is because you were the one that prevented it. She's like over and over trying to prove to Wanda that she has always had those powers, which I find very interesting because I kind of was curious about how they were going to introduce Agatha as a character because with the comics, we find out that Agatha overall was a teacher and a mentor to Wanda that helped her develop her powers, but with the MCU, like, oh, the Mind Stone gave Wanda her powers. You know, I was very curious to see how they would tie those together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was an awesome synopsis. Thanks, Lex. Yeah. Um, 
I think that touches on a really interesting point that I felt a lot while reading these comics. So for the show today, we read Scarlet Witch and the Vision from 1985. The It's not the original story of them moving away to the suburbs, but it is like they did like a short one a few years before, and then they did like this main story from 85 to talk about Wanda and Vision in the suburbs. And that story is crazy. We'll get into that. We <laughs> read <laughs> Tom King's The Vision, which was like a lot more heavily referenced in this than I think I was expecting. I agree. And then we read House of M, which is a classic Wanda story. And if you do end up going listening to the Cerebro cast, like I suggested, you'll find out very quickly that House of M is not a popular pod is not a popular story among X-Men fans. Because <laughs> Wanda ruins the X-Men comics for like ten years mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. one little panel. But it's interesting with the MCU, people expect it to be almost a one for one, like a manga to an anime. Where it's like, oh, or like a Harry Potter movie where like if you read the book, the movie's just basically that, but with less detail. Whereas like these MCU properties are here are like the ten books that we took ten percent from and then we also like splashed in a bunch of our own original ideas, you know? Exactly. And and so while reading these comics was really fun and it made me feel closer to these characters, like it's it hasn't made me any more likely to predict what's gonna happen next episode. No. You know? Like I don't know what's coming, just like anybody else. But I do feel like I understand the character of Wanda and the vision a little bit better because of what we read. I agree. Definitely. I loved being able to see where, where their characters really came from and how long they've been building up because those first comics we read were like what in the eighties? Yeah. 85. Yeah. 85. Like that's, that's a long time ago for them to be having characters that are showing up now and being based off of those characters, you know, like you could definitely see, like, yes, their characters are those characters. Like, they definitely have very high similarities between them, which I thought was mm-hmm. really cool. And it's interesting as well, like, that old, that first Scarlet Witch and the Vision story we were had very much was, like, Wanda and Vision moved to New Jersey and play house. Like, it wasn't yeah. sinister. It didn't have, like, a lot of the sinister tone comes with the later stories, right? But that first yeah. one was very much like, wouldn't it be funny if... Because I think we forget the Avengers lived in a big mansion like a family at that point. Like Jarvis was Mm -hmm. the family butler and they Mm -hmm. all just kind of like hung out and they were a big happy family. And Wanda and Vision moving out were kind of like, oh, like the two... Like the newlywed couple doesn't want to live with the family anymore. So they're going to move to Jersey and they're going to be newlyweds out there. Yeah. And there was... It was such a fun, dramatic story. I yeah. loved that 1980s. Talk about your Scarlet favorite Witch character. And the Vision. You oh. know you want to. She's my queen. <laughs> she so, needs <laughs> I was introduced to the beautiful character Necra, who is based on her fangs. I have to believe that she's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, who becomes more powerful the more hate she feels. She's fueled which is by hate. The funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. Me in she high school. Really, the more hate she feels, the <laughs> like better she is. And it's not like a bigotry hate. It's just like hate for humans 
and people just, in general. She just hates she's, everyone. She's a grumpy goth queen, and I love her. And it's so funny because she's, like, teamed up with someone who's called, like, the Black Talon or something. And she hates him so much that she's, like, that invincible. She's more powerful. Yeah. She's, like, she invincible. Hates, she hates her partner in crime so much that she's more powerful. <laughs> she's, like, can't stand this dude to the point where it makes her literally invincible. It's amazing. I marvel. If you're listening to this. We love you. Um, I would love to write... A a Tom King esque twelve issue maxi series about Necra, our queen of and hate. I love Grim Reaper. Yeah, and so that was interesting. What did you think of all of like Vision's backstory with Wonder Man and the Grim Reaper? Ooh, that's yeah. like that's not in the movies at all. But like that's oh, a huge really, part of who he is as a character. I was really gonna ask like if you could give an actual like in depth ex- explanation to that because honestly they kind of just like threw it out there. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, Vision is basically just, like, Wonder Man in a different yeah. body. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is that? Basically, Ultron, who was made by Hank Pym, he wasn't made by Tony Stark, MCU mm-hmm. stands. He was made by Hank Pym, the wife beater. And that's a whole different story. Mm. Hank Pym's the worst. But it's a good thing Scott Lang is the MCU. <laughs> and, man, Hank mm-hmm. Pym's the worst. But anyway, Hank Pym makes Ultron, and then Ultron is like, meh, 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 meh. I need to make a sidekick. And so he just like, like in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he makes it's just a lot scarier. <laughs> he makes Vision's body, and then he's like, hmm, I need some brainwaves. And so he captures Wonder Man, who was like a pretty big character in the comics in the eighties, and he like certainly isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. But so he takes him and he takes his brain patterns. And he puts them into Vision. So the Vision more or less has Wonder Man's brain. Mm-hmm. And he like wakes him up. And Vision's like, whoa, I'm a person. And he betrays Ultron, joins the Avengers. Because he's then, good. Yeah, because he's, he's good. Because he, his brain is a superhero brain. Yeah. It's from Wonder Man. And so Wonder Man kind of goes off the deep end. Like Vision almost serves as like an inspiration for Wonder Man to get his crap together. Because mm-hmm. he's like, that guy is just me. But he makes but good just- decisions. So I can do that too. And it's like really inspiring. I liked it a lot. But so Wonder Man has a brother named that's a villain named the Grim Reaper. And the Grim Reaper like is an unstable dude. And he hates the vision. Hates he him. feels like the vision is like a bastardization of his brother. And it's like a disgrace against humanity. And so like anytime there's a vision story, like there's a very real chance the Grim Reaper is going to show up. And mess it up because he hates Vision. And so, like, that's a little bit of background on the Vision's story. And so, there was a little part of me that was like disappointed that Grim Reaper didn't show up in WandaVision. Well, so like, did you know that his helmet like makes a cameo in one of the openings of mm-hmm. the show? And so, I wholeheartedly was like, oh, Grim Reaper's gonna show up. Like, yeah. I, I really thought for a minute that he was. But, like, to. his motivation doesn't make a ton of sense without like the original origin of vision you know that's true that's true um yeah because vision's just jarvis in the mcu yeah he's not wonder man Mm-mm. so yeah it makes sense that he's not in it but like i do like the grim reaper and i like i mean shifting a little bit towards like the horror twinged elements of suburbia like that that's I feel like it's become a popular trope in recent years so like suburbia is out to get you and it's scary Mm-hmm. And like Tom King's vision really, really captured that well. 
And I, I feel like I loved that book. I isn't loved it. Isn't it good? Yes, it good? I was honestly like, mm, Dallas is making me read this book about a bunch of family robots, and I was like, oh, whatever. Nope. Okay, I ate my words. I ate my words. It was very good. Yeah. It did so that, not go the way I thought it was going to. If you liked that, I should give you. He wrote a Mr. Miracle series that's even better. Mm-hmm. The, this show also references, which is funny because Mr. Miracle is a DC character, but like really? WandaVision, like the whole scene where it's like glitching out and it's yeah. showing like Wanda that like her world might not be real. That's from Tom King's Mr. Miracle. Interesting. Like basically that whole thing, Tom King was in the CIA in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and he saw some shit <laughs> and then he was like, I need to like work through that with comic books. So his comic books and are so his like, Yeah. So like Vision is about like coming back from war and moving to the suburbs and mm-hmm. like not feeling like you can ever actually escape war. Yeah, and because like, really we see like Vision is really, really hard trying to just be normal. He wants mm-hmm. it like more than anything. And so he creates this family that he's like, they're going to be normal because I made them. I'm in charge of them. And with the reveal of episode eight, that like it's not the Vision's original body that mm. Wanda used. Oh to make my Vision. gosh. Like, yeah, it totally is Tom King's vision. Yes. Where Wanda's, F you guys, I feel sad and lonely and I'm done being a superhero. So I'm going to create my whole fictional world in <laughs> the suburbs. And, like, you're not going to take it away from me. I'm going to do yeah. everything. I'm going to keep sweeping stuff under the rug, just like in Tom King's vision. They they kill the Grim Reaper in the first uh, issue. They bury him in the backyard. And they bury him in the backyard because they don't want anything to go wrong, you know? Yeah. And, like, it just becomes, like, progressively horrifying as it goes exactly. because they have to keep the perfect family dynamic. They have yeah, to stay happy. Also, they don't realize, like, his wife is like becoming a villain like she's a villain the ending the ending of that is so good right when like she decides to alter everyone's mind to like save the vision Mm -hmm. and like my heart shattered into a thousand bits when she's like you saved the world 37 times and i saved it once yeah she's like i saved it once it feels good and you're like Viv Vision is still around, fun fact. She's one of the champions in the comics. Yeah, Viv, Vision's daughter. She's cool. I like Viv. Um, Sparky, the dog, is from Vision. So they named... That was a fun little Easter egg. But I really felt like more than Scarlet Witch and the Vision, this show was based on like House of M and Vision by Tom King. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like those were the two main influences... And you you texted me. You had a really good interaction with House of M. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like your feelings about House of M? Well, because really, I went into House of M not having any knowledge of what it would be. And so when really it was down to, like, we all know that Scarlet Witch had a mental breakdown. Wanda freaks out. She freaked out. And in this comic, that it shows, like, she is fully lost it. She's lost her mind. And, and she, she lost it because of the little boys. So, so the kids yeah. are born at the end of Scarlet Witch and the Vision. Yeah. And in the intervening years between that story and House of M, like, it came to fruition that, like, those weren't real kids. They weren't. Like, she used her chaos magic to make those little boys. 
And so, like, the Vision leaves her. Mm-hmm. All the Avengers, like, make her give up those pretend little boys. Mm-hmm. And, like, she just They basically rip away all of her go. things from her. Yeah, they... Just Kinda like, like in the show. Eight, the show showed you, like, everything is taken from Wanda. Yeah, she has nothing left. And so she loses her mind. And it's really interesting because we also get to see the X-Men in House of M. Because really, it's Charles Xavier that was kind of like babysitting Wanda in the beginning and letting her... Because she is having these false reality experiences. She's creating her own world, and Charles Xavier is, like, ripping her out of it. Like, he is talking her out of, like... Because with that, we open to the scene of, like, her having those babies. And then in the background, we start to hear a voice, which we realize is Charles Xavier, of her, him telling her, like, these are not real. These boys are not real. This is, like, this isn't real. Like, come back. You are losing it. And basically, like, ripping her out of that reality again and again and again. And basically, he's, like, putting her into these, like, mind-induced comas just to keep her chilled out because he doesn't know how to deal with her yeah that basically is like playing happy family tv in her brain because like she could yeah. ruin the world yeah she and... literally can't she and it said that she like killed how many people how many of the avengers who did she kill yeah so like the story right before this she basically like her original snap she's just like f all you guys i'm killing the avengers mm-hmm. and so she like she kills hawkeye yeah she kills like a bunch of civilians um she kills Scott Lang mm-hmm. from, like, Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And she, like, leaves this massive wake behind her, basically. She kills the Vision. She does. Okay. She does kill the Vision. I was like, I thought she did, but I wasn't sure. And, yeah, so the X-Men, they keep her safe. But she, under the influence of her brother, Pietro, decides mm-hmm. to, rather than just, like, live in her brain, just reshape the whole world yeah. in... Her she basically image. Thanos snaps in a whole new reality. Yeah. And we see, like, Wolverine almost plays the Vision character, where, like, he's the only one that knows something's up. Yeah, because like, he, he remembers around. his whole life. Isn't that sad? I that was like, he, like, oh my gosh, he remembers everything. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when they start calling him James, which is his real name. Yeah. Like, James Howlett. And, yeah. Oh. It's good. I... I like House of M. I, I don't love the No More Mutants. And I swear yeah. to you, if WandaVision ends with her saying lots of mutants or something stupid like that, like the X-Men come out of WandaVision, I will burn I mean, Marvel Studios to the ground. You know it's coming. I don't want... That's so lazy, though. That is so, <laughs> like... I don't want that. They're the X-Men are important off. to me. Do good. Do good by them. Um, I feel like they're going to come in The Winter Soldier. And Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm. I think that they're gonna find the school. Hot take. Don't know. I have no knowledge. So I am a comics child. Cool. Yeah, That'd like they cool. like stumble upon the building. They, I'm All right, so, that found it. So yeah, I saw this super cool theory over on Twitter. So I can't take the credit for it. I don't remember who it was. Oh, sorry, my. My wife is currently dying of bronchitis. <laughs> I very kindly have ushered her into a different room. Insert adding <laughs> cough in the background. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I saw this crazy cool theory about how someone wanted the X-Men to be introduced because basically, here's a little rabbit hole. This last year, so like not this last summer, but the summer before that, Marvel decided like revamp the X-Men and it has been amazing. And so then they're in this whole new era where they all live on like this paradise island and they're basically like their own nation state. And somebody said that would be such a cool way to jump into the X-Men. And you can almost do like the opening sequence from that where Charles Xavier was more or less. He says this great line where he's like, while you all slept, the world changed. And then it like shows the mutants. And in the MCU, like cold open X-Men movie or I prefer an X-Men TV show, honestly. Ooh, that would be so cool. I feel like they're so much better as a show than a movie because the X-Men have never been about, like, the big events, right? They are so much more about the little character drama and, like, the interactions between people. And so I I feel like the... A TV show would be much better suited to that than the movies than a movie would be. I actually but feel like I would love personal. that because, well, I feel like a lot of people would respond really well to that because with, I mean, of course, the introductory of WandaVision, like, we're really seeing a positive response to the TV show format, which we haven't really seen before from them, you know? Oh, totally. It just, it allows for more decompressed storytelling that... I feel like the MCU is notorious for skipping character beats for action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Where, like, before WandaVision, we never actually saw Wanda and Vision falling in love. We just saw them meet, and then we were told the next movie, oh, yeah, by the way, they're in love now. And so it that's, would be kind of refreshing. It would be kind of refreshing to have a show where we got to see all those little intimate moments. And I think there's no better show for that than the X Men. But that would be so cool. Jeez, now you got me like thinking all about it. I know, but so get this, get this. So cold open to the TV series, while you slept, the world changed, and they go back and they show like some of the iconic moments from the MCU, mm-hmm. and they just like Photoshop in or like they CG in the X Men, and tra- mm-hmm. this it then like pans to Charles Xavier on like a TV broadcast or something, or like broadcasting like every person on earth through cerebro like like lifting a mental block Mm -hmm. he put in to hide the mutants because like we don't need another Mm. mutant origin story we don't need like just have the mutants no we have plenty yeah have them there and just be like you didn't know we were here all along because we didn't want you to but now we're ready for you to that's cool and just like pick up running i feel like that's the best way to do the x-men in the mcu yeah, that would be that would be way cool. So like I don't really want the X-Men to come out of WandaVision or out of any of these other Disney Plus things because I also I I know the X-Men are going to be a part of the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. But they have yeah. to be like somewhat separate for it to make any sense because otherwise like why on earth haven't the Avengers stepped in to like help the mutants not have a genocide happen like every other day you know what i mean yeah exactly or how have the mutants not seen the things that the avengers have been doing you know like why have they not stepped into each other's lives avengers in one both, way or another there's both such big worlds that it doesn't make sense yeah. for them both to exist side by side mm-hmm. without yeah. like a lot of interaction and that interaction isn't ever that interesting honestly 
Yeah, exactly. So I don't really want WandaVision to introduce the X-Men, especially because like they Wanda hasn't been a mutant up to this point, and they went and they retconned the comics to make her not Magneto's daughter anyway, so it would be weird to just like flip flop, flip flop. Like I like mm-hmm. Pietro and Wanda as Magneto's kids, but at this point it's just like whatever. Like I'd rather yeah, just so- find something else. So do you want to maybe explain that a little bit? Because I feel like that's really up in the air. Like, yes, they're his children. No, they're not his children. Like, I feel like we should kind of explain what's going on in that. Because I feel like a lot of people don't know. Okay, yeah, totally. So when they were first introduced, they were introduced as members of Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. But they were not Mm -hmm. his children at the time. They were just like two Romani kids with superpowers that were on Magneto's team. It was then years later that I believe Chris Claremont, but don't quote me on that, retconned to say that Wanda and Pietro were the children of Magneto and Magda Magnus, his wife. And therefore, Mm -hmm. and then that was like the longest status quo was that they were Magneto's children. And Mm then one basically... After the MCU started and Disney was like, well, we don't own the movie rights the X-Men, so kill them all in the comics. Yeah. And the the X-Men just got the shaft, honestly. But they were also shifted. Um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were shifted so that they would be the result of experimentation from the high evolutionary, who is a character, an Avengers bad guy that basically does like DNA stuff. And so the mm-hmm. comics said, like, they got their powers from DNA experimentation. Mm-hmm. But now we're kind of seeing that maybe the way that WandaVision's going is that it was kind of within her all along. Because with the very last episode, we see kind of her experience with the Mind Stone, which is, I think, I think is very interesting. That it kind of just, like, woke something up inside of her, per se. Oh, totally. And I think that's been the status quo in the comics forever, that Wanda, as a Romani woman, has a connection to, like, quote-unquote witchcraft, Mm -hmm. right, and magic, and that, be it her mutant powers or now, like, the experimentation of the High Evolutionary or, in the movies, the experimentation of Hydra, those Mm -hmm. things just, like, Mm -hmm. exasperated and made more powerful those powers that already existed. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. And then she has, like, people along the way like Agatha Harkness or Doctor Strange that helped her become an increasingly powerful sorcerer or sorceress. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I was saying, Wanda's powers are, and I think it's cool to see this reiterated in the MCU, like, they come from her and from her heritage. And mm-hmm. then they are made greater by outside forces, be that mutant powers or experimentation. But it doesn't really feel like they're going to go with the mutation route just because they're they, they're so committed to the origin story that they already have. Yeah, it'd be kind of hard to really backtrack. Because, I mean, that's kind of something that we're seeing like with this scene with the stone. They're really trying to say, like, oh, it was in her all along. Like, it wasn't just the stone. Like, that's kind of... And I feel like that's kind of as much as they can do without making it weird. Yeah. So, and I also don't know how much more they're going to do with her backstory where we just got a whole hour dedicated to her backstory, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
because like the reality is that's more that's as much backstory as we really got on Tony Stark in Iron Man one, right? Like I think True. we've forgotten because these episodes are all spread out, but like we now have got as much content for Wanda and the Vision as we did like original Iron Man movies. You know, it's like we've sat with and we spent time with these characters in an interesting way. So it kind of feels like the continuity with them is set and they're not going to change it back to whatever the comics were up to. Yeah, that makes sense. I I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, we really have had a lot of a lot of time with them if we just mushed all of the episodes together. Yeah. And I don't know. How did you feel about this format for this show? Did you like it as a tv show with like sporadic little episodes or do you feel like it it would have yeah i would have watched it even if like so i um i feel like i've not i'm not super into like the tv show scene like i'll watch every once in a while something but i'm not like super invested in any particular shows but when I saw that they were coming out with a WandaVision, I was I'm going to admit I was curious because of course Marvel has has us all whipped into shape to expect things from them, you know. And um from watching the first two episodes, I really I fell in love with the characters. I really wanted to see what was going on and I feel like I would have still watched it even if nothing came from the show. Like even if they just put it out just to put it out and not really have any weight to the show, I still would have watched it. I really enjoyed it. I totally agree with that. And I I feel like this show did such an interesting job for me because, like, I loved the things that they did differently from the MCU, but I Mm -hmm. understand, like, the elements that were strictly MCU and why they were there. Does that make sense? And I don't, like, hold that against them. I feel like a lot of the discourse around WandaVision has either been like, it is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Or it's like, this is just another bunch of MCU recycled garbage, you know? And I'm like, well, it's it's yeah. both. I feel like the, the little girl from the commercial, like, por que no los dos? Like, why? It's both. <laughs> you know, like, there, mm-hmm. are, there have been some really chilling, fun scenes that have pulled on themes that the MCU hasn't explored yet. But then there's also like just run of the the sword stuff is just like run of the mill, like MCU, you know, yeah. and yeah. Um, sorry, can you hear AJ? No, no. Okay, good. okay, good. He's like squealing in the background. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him, but as long as you can't, that's good. Yeah, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I I feel like the show is started like a bunch of really interesting discourse because it's presented in a format where people want to compare it to prestige television, right? They want their WandaVision to be talked about like it's Breaking Bad, like it's The Sopranos, like it's Game of Thrones before the last season of Game of Thrones. But the reality is like, it's it's not that, you know? It's Mm -hmm. an extended, interesting look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I think... And don't get me wrong, I love the MCU. When I say this, it comes from a place of love. But, like, the MCU is not, like, this deep, meaningful cinema. It's, I think Martin Scorsese hit it right on the head when he was like, the MCU is, like, an amusement park. It's colorful, it's loud, it's entertaining. You show up, you have a great time, and you leave, and you don't really change because of it. And Mm -hmm. I think people want to defend 
their liking of these inherently silly properties by assigning it this great artistic value. And like comics are art. These characters can be art. When I read Tom King's vision, like there are deep themes there that speak to me, right? Yeah, and there's like, so much more depth in those than we even can see with these shows. And like you, you there are also moments in the MCU. I mean, there's the quote about grief from this most recent episode that oh. clearly touched a lot of people. Like it's all it over really it made media. me cry. If I'm going to be completely honest. And that that's awesome. You're allowed to have that moment with these movies. These movies have captured the world. You know, you're allowed to like them, but you can also admit that there are bits that are silly. There are bits that are like, there are bits that are great and there are bits that are like, eh. And I think yeah. with such a, like, a, with six hours spent with a single MCU property, it's the division between great and eh is becoming more apparent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, I would love to transition a little bit into the source material because like this is totally me showing my bias. But like I feel like there are some really interesting themes explored in the comics that are touched on in the show but are done better in the comics. Right? Yeah. And I would just love to hear your thoughts as we go as well on each of the different series. So we've referenced, again... For anybody that's interested, we went to the Marvel Unlimited app, which we have a subscription to, and we clicked on the WandaVision tab that they have there on the page. So you, if you've got, I mean, you, you'll, you'd have a week free trial to do this as well. But if you really want to know what we're, we're reading, there is a tab for WandaVision, and they will provide you all the series that we read in preparation for the show, right from the horse's mouth. So the first thing that we read there was... Vision and the Scarlet Witch, which was that 1985 series that we talked a little bit about. And while I think it had a lot of interesting character beats and it introduced well the characters of Vision and the Scarlet Witch, I felt like it fell into the trap of a lot of earlier comics where it's it is serialized entertainment and storytelling first and like literature second. And mm-hmm. that's, and I'm not assigning value with that statement. Like, I love the campy bullcrap of that 1985 series that we read. Like, it is so cheeseball. It is so dramatic. I adored it. When Quicksilver just got a like, divorce halfway through, that oh was the Oh, my best gosh. He just, like, ran away from moment. his whole life. It was so funny. Like, <laughs> he was just, just like, I'm out. They did this great thing back in the day with those comics where they packed them so dense so they had like four stories going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you're watching like Wanda and Vision live out, live out this whole life, but you're also aware that the that Quicksilver's wife, who is an inhuman, which is a whole nother thing, is having, having an affair with, with Wanda and Vision's Wanda's neighbor. Real estate agent. It's oh. so funny. She's shagging the real estate agent. <laughs> yeah, and she she like overdoses on this potion because correct me if I'm wrong, but the inhumans can't breathe the pollution of the earth. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that what they the presented Earth's, that as? Yeah, the earth's too polluted, so she's got to take anti-pollution drugs, and she ODs and goes into <laughs> she a coma. Overdoses on it. 
<laughs> and goes into a coma because she's seeing the neighbor too often for them to be able to take that potion too much. Like, that is the mm. funniest crap ever. That is straight up a soap <laughs> opera. Love. That's true. Love, or love, love. my, this little strip of Wanda talking to Vision. <laughs> and she's just like, she compares herself, because she's pregnant, obviously. She compares mm-hmm. herself to looking like a barrel. And Vision just goes, a barrel full of sweets. And I swear, <laughs> if I was pregnant and my husband said that, I would deck the man right in the face. Just Drop kill him. him. A barrel full of sweets. Oh, it was so good. Sweet. And then there was the whole the whole side plot of Toad from the X-Men being horny for Wanda that's resolved by him showing up to her pregnant and being like, oof, never mind. Yeah, he's like, never mind. I'm out. He's like the big bad evil guy of the <laughs> series and he's beat by no longer being horny for Wanda. Yeah, he so just leaves. Good. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. That's actually what I want the big reveal of episode 9 to be. Oh my gosh. I I don't want Mephisto. I want Toad. (laughs) Do it, Marvel. You cowards. He's behind it all. Forget Agatha. It's Toad. And that's why her pregnancy went so fast. Because Toad's like, "Uh uh-uh, fast forward. Yeah, he said, delete that. Or like, I love just the random... They had to come up with a, a holiday to celebrate in February. So Spider-Man came to do his taxes with the vision. They ha- they both had to make money for tax day. That was so funny. Oh, and the comic oh. was named tax day, wasn't it? Yeah. It yeah, was like was really random. Just kind of thrown in there. <laughs> oh gosh. It was, it was beautiful. I loved that series. Oh, and great. I mean like connections to the actual WandaVision. It's where Billy and Tommy are born, and there's the whole scene with the surprise twin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's Westview, New Jersey, is where they live, and there is a reference to Agatha in the series. But really, it's yeah. just like sort of the trappings of that original series were transferred over into WandaVision, where like. They, it looks really similar, but the story doesn't really play out that way. Because unless mm-hmm. my queen Necra shows up soon, but I can't not think about Necra. She's everything I'm, to me. I'm gonna be here for Halloween. You should, and Carson can go as the Grim Reaper. Because <gasps> like Grim Reaper is also like kind of like a big guy, you know? Yeah, he's like, pretty Carson cool. Can pull that off. True, true. Oh, and I'm I just have, hate like, everything. Side hand. Oh, it'd be beautiful. And AJ can go as Wonder Man. <laughs> and Tiffy can go as Toad. <laughs> no, Tiffy goes as Wonder Man. AJ goes as Toad. Oh. And I'll go as the Vision. It's beautiful. What a beautiful and, Halloween. And Eddie can be Wanda. She can. Aww. Um. And then, I don't. We talked about House of M. We talked about how fun that was. Um, I guess my question for you with that, that was a lot more like Wolverine heavy than I remembered. Mm-hmm. How did you like, how did you feel about the characters and the story of that? Cause like the overarching story is really interesting, but like beat for beat, how did you enjoy House of M? I actually really loved being able to see everything kind of through Wolverine's point of view. 
because like we kind of mentioned this earlier but how he basically woke up in this new world completely different and he remembers everything and kind of my past understanding with Wolverine I mean of course like I've watched the movies with Carson we watched some Wolverine movies about how he loses his memory and mm-hmm. kind of is disconnected from his past but we see with House of M he wakes up and he says he remembers everything and I feel like that was a really big um plot point to me at least I thought that was really interesting the way that they went with that and how he was basically able to pursue all of his peers and helping them remember as well so that they could as a whole try and get back to the world that they all know um and i thought it was really interesting to see where wanda had placed all of these other x-men and or avengers and how she kind of like made up for things that had happened or she tried to make up for things that had happened. Like we see, for example, um, how we discussed earlier, how she had gone on a rampage and killed a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. We see um, Hawkeye come back and how he's alive in this um, new world and how she basically kind of brought him back into existence, which I found very interesting that she would do that. Um, there were there were a lot of interesting bits in Wanda's world that showed like what she felt guilty for, you know. Yeah, it kind of was like a little like snippet of like, oh, she she knows that this was terrible. Like she's she's aware that she's not okay, and she still has a lot of those humane feelings, which I feel like at the beginning of House of M they really were because of course. Um, Professor X had called the Avengers and X-Men together to overall just discuss what they wanted to do with Wanda and what they wanted to where they wanted to go from there because he was really just saying like she is too much she we cannot deal with what she is and I feel like it was very interesting to see in her new world how she how her mental state actually she actually had a really heavy grasp of what she had done i felt like how do you feel like they dealt with grief in episode eight of wandavision versus how they portrayed grief in house of m for wanda because i i really feel like house of m while it's fascinating and it's interesting it very much is like this broken crazy woman got the big sad so she ruined the world and so and we're going like, to ship her off to this busted up world. Like, yeah, she, was so, she on an yeah, island? I guess, yeah, I guess you don't, you wouldn't know. So that's Genosha. Basically, it was like this apart. It was like a stand-in for South Africa, basically. But it's this island that used to hate mutants and, like, subjugate mutants. And then mutants, like, reclaimed it. And they had mm-hmm. a whole society there. And then this character named Cassandra Nova pulled up with a bunch of senatal, sentinels. And killed, like, two-thirds of all the mutants on Earth in, like, this, in the biggest genocide of all time. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so the city's in complete ruin. It's, like, it's a place where all the mutants went to die. And they're like, huh, well, we know one big, scary, empty island. I guess we can just go keep Wanda there. Yeah, so they, like, lock her up, basically, in her mind, because Professor X 
puts her in Who is his a villain. brain. It, yeah, I would say so after reading this. He just like he puts her in like brain-induced comas, but she just like sits and goes nuts over and over and over again because he doesn't know how to deal with her. But then he also like doesn't let it be a happy thing either. You know, like I don't agree with it at all. Right? Yeah, because Professor she X is a bad guy. Magneto was right. Professor X is the bad guy. Um, but he's like, yeah, <laughs> just keep reliving this fantasy world. But also, those kids aren't real, and I'm gonna tell. Yeah, and I'm gonna yell and scream at you. Because, yeah, and we open with her in her little world by herself. And it's, like, ripped apart by Professor X's voice of, like, him basically yelling in her face, like, this is not real. You created these children. They are fake. And I feel like that's very traumatizing again. Like, he's basically re-traumatizing her with losing her children that she believed were hers, you know? That she, with her whole heart, was like, these are my kids. And he basically is, like, re-subjecting her to losing that over and over and over again. Yeah, not not great. And I honestly, I feel like WandaVision did a way better job of still, like, basing the events of the show in Wanda's grief. But, like, mm-hmm. he, humanizing that grief rather than demonizing it. Like, making I us love, realize, like, like, okay, she wanted to escape from, like, how shitty everything was. And like her intention wasn't to hurt other people. It wasn't to lash out. It was mm-hmm. like, I refuse to have nothing. Yeah. She, yeah, really. She had nothing left. Everyone that she had cared about in her whole life had been taken from her. And I really feel like the last straw that broke it was the fact that she was unable to bury vision the way that she deemed appropriate because everyone else in everyone else's eyes vision was a weapon and not a person the way that she associated him as totally 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 um and so i thought that was done much much better in the show and episode eight was really pretty reminiscent of house of m for me and just like how the event occurred but I honestly, I feel like the show itself borrows a lot more heavily from Tom King's Vision series than it mm-hmm. does House of M story-wise. Okay. Where like, Do you want to go in a little more depth than that? No, actually, that that's the end of the show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. So I just Fast. feel like it, it has this like slow burn, like suburbia can't last feel. Where, like, mm-hmm. no, Grim Reaper doesn't show up and die, but, like, episode one, the the boss starts to choke, and we see, like, oh, okay, like, this is only going to get worse. And mm-hmm. the whole point of Tom King's vision is that, like, the vision made this family to be a perfect little family, and, like, that's impossible. Like, that isn't mm-hmm. going to go well. And so Wanda very literally, like, also made this family and it's starting to like turn against her fall apart. Like instead of Virginia hiding things from vision, vision is hiding things from Wanda, you know, instead of Viv and Vin not really fitting in and like serving as a point of stress, like Billy and Tommy and especially like Pietro 
serve as like points of stress and they have their own agenda going on. I almost feel like Pietro serves the purpose of like Vision's brother that shows up to like throw a wrench in things. Mm-hmm. And like it just seems to follow the beats a little better as we watch this little perfect world that Wanda thinks she deserves or feels she deserves fall apart for her and she gets like increasingly aggressive as that goes much like the vision did yeah definitely i agree and i don't know i i love tom king's vision i mean it has officially been shouted out twice on the podcast now because we did a, <laughs> an episode just about it and now we're doing an episode about a show that it was that it inspired so clearly it's a book that we enjoy, and it's a high-quality book as well. Everyone should read it. It's a good I one. really, like, I don't know. If someone had to pick up one book to read to like WandaVision better, which of the books that we read do you think they should pick up, Lex? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, I don't know. I really just keep going back to House of M. I feel like I just, like, flipped through that one so fast. I... I zoomed through that. I loved every second of that. Um, but I did I did really like um the I guess the depth of um the vision and I feel like I kind of got more from that, I would say. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got to know um I feel like House of M was just like a good story, but I feel like um the vision had a lot more to uncover and like to dig up on your own to like catch on to like like oh his his wife that he's he has created him by himself she's evolving she is becoming something else like she's starting to lie to him and do all these different things where in theory she shouldn't be able to do that because she is a machine you know and we're able Mm -hmm. to see how Basically, his whole family is evolving into something that he didn't foresee and that he can't control, which I feel like is the opposite of what he wanted. And I feel like that's the opposite of what Wanda wanted when she created her family and everybody else has their own thing that they're doing. And Wanda is slowly losing control of it all. Totally, totally. Um, I would love maybe this is a sneak peek for a future episode. I don't know. Um, Seeing how much you liked House of M, I've always wanted to go back and read the original like Avengers run that that's a part of by Brian Michael Bendis. Mm -hmm. Cause basically like, again, if you are listening to this podcast and you're primarily an MCU fan and not a comics fan, this might come as a shock to you, but before 2008 and the MCU, the Avengers were nobodies. Like Iron Man was not a popular character. Captain America was like sort of, but they were like C list characters. And it was even worse until the early 2000s. A really talented writer named Brian Michael Bendis, who some people don't like his current work that's going on. I feel like it's a bit of a mixed bag for me, but like undoubtedly the king of the 2000s. Like from 2000 to 2005, like the man could do no wrong. And he decided that he wanted to revitalize the Avengers. And so, like, his first thing he did, he took that classic team and he was like, all right, Wanda, you're going to blow up the mansion and kill half the team. And then Mm -hmm. Captain America is going to be like, the Avengers are now too dangerous, so we're going to disband. And then they would bring in, like, a bunch of characters you wouldn't think of as Avengers 
and they started the title New Avengers with a roster of like Spider Man, Spider Woman, Wolverine, Captain America, yeah. Man, and like all these characters you wouldn't really think. I kind of forgot about that. And, yeah, Wolverine is a New Avenger in House of M. Yeah, so House and of I kind M of took that as a grain of salt as a little, a little bit. <laughs> I forgot yeah, about that. So, like House of M occurs in the midst of this big spanning run that he did, and like. Secret Invasion mm. that's going to be on Disney Plus in a couple years that was announced. That also comes from Bendis's run. Like a lot of the really, really great Avenger stories in recent memory come from that Bendis run. So that could be really fun to read eventually for an episode if we if we ever get around to it. We we have a habit of planning ourselves out like a million years. Okay, we plan out one month and we plan ourselves out for a million years. Hey, I like it. It's giving me a good reading list. I know. It like, gives me excitement. Like, ooh, this is next week's. Mm-hmm. We have like a whole month to prep for our next next episode. It's true. Got a um, time. Lots of content. But yeah, I would say like a quick fun read would definitely be House of M. Mm-hmm. But I want to say like if you want to sink your teeth into something, if you want to like dive into some of the themes that WandaVision are exploring, I would agree with Alexis that Tom King's Vision series is an excellent, excellent place to jump in. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of things to unpack that could go into their own little rabbit holes of fun, entertaining things to think about. And it's the kind of thing that you're going to want to return to and read over and over again. And so if you're making an investment into one of these books, I think you're going to get more bang for your buck from Tom King's Vision. That's just me personally. Mm-hmm. And that's not a slight against House of M. I think it's a great, fun oh, story. No. I loved House but, of M. But, like, I've read House of M, like, two times now, and both times I was like, oh, that was really fun. But, like, I've read Tom King's Vision probably four or five times now, and every time I continue to think about what it has to say for weeks afterward. Mm-hmm. It really so. says a lot about, like, the classic suburban family, too. Oh, yeah. Just, like, as a whole, which I think the, is great. That The page that you... T- turn like the big splash with vision in like the butcher's gown covered in blood is like so eerie <laughs> it's uh-huh. so you know where they when like he's abduct he's their neighbor's dog yeah when he makes they just like steal their neighbor's dog and just they lobotomize what? it they make a franken dog yeah it's whack sparky yeah yeah and it's, then the neighbor comes over and looks for the dog in their house and their house is like destroyed don't you love that when they in issue one when they're like, yeah, these neighbors are going to die in a house fire because the visions are going to blow up their house. And then like in issue 10, you see in the background when Vin's laser goes off, they like it hits their house and burns it down in the background. And you're like, oh, yeah, they told me issue one yeah. that was going to happen. And now here it is. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Oh, when they give back like the super bent up baking sheet, like... <laughs> Yeah, I could go to. I can't go down that rabbit hole. We gotta. We gotta wrap up. We're going in on like an hour and forty minutes for our inaugural episode. But I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Wandavision and the comics that inspired it. I know I had a lot of fun talking with Alexis and sneak peek in the future. Our next episode coming out next week is also fantastic. We've already recorded it, and so if you liked this, then I promise you're gonna like next episode. And yeah, I would say continue to support your local comic store 
if you have one. If you don't know where your comic book store is, look it up and go get these books we talked about today from that place. They need your help, especially now in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. So be excellent. Lexi, do you have any last words? I think we did the plugs at the beginning of the episode instead of the end this time. Yeah, we did. Um, Basically, just another mention. Um, Rate and review us. We want to see what everybody has to say and um, tell us what you thought of the episode, which episode you're, you're listening to. So let us know what you think. Rock and roll. We will see you again next week on the Comics Collective. Thank you so much. Thank you.